beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made their glowing colors, he made their tiny wings. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. Things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. The purple-headed mountain, the river running by, the sunset and the morning, the brightens of Our scripture reading today is found in Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, is there, there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affirmation, and mercy, fulfilling my joy by by being like-minded, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of the accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish 
abomination or consent, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, interests, but also for the interests of others. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning and happy Sabbath. Can you hear me? Everything's good? All right. Thank you, everyone, who had a part in our service this morning. It's a blessing to see young people up here, hearing young voices. So our theme this month is what? Does anybody know? Kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is the theme for these, this month's series. And the title of the sermon today is Kingdom Culture, Denying Self. I really like that thought of kingdom culture. You know, culture, what do you think of when you hear the word culture? It's a group of people, right, uh, that have similar customs, beliefs, um, could be uh, racial, could be religious, social groups, uh, shared attitudes, things like that. When we think of kingdom culture, the culture that we're going to be experiencing in heaven, that's what comes to my mind. And there's a verse that uh, comes to mind when I think about that, and that's Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, if you want to look that up. And then keep your finger in the book of Philippians, because we're going to be reading a fair amount out of that. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. I really like what pastors got going on in this sermon series. It's really making me think. Philippians 3, verse 20 says, and you can read this with me if you'd like, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. Our citizenship is is in heaven. So let's start building this kingdom culture now. Let's bow your heads with me uh, as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to again be in your house and to read from your word. I pray that you would speak through me, anoint my lips, so that what I do speak comes from your throne. Empty me of myself so that I can be filled with you. And just bless us here this morning. And those who may be listening to this later, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start off with a story. How many of you like stories? This story takes place in, well, now I don't remember where the game is played, but it takes place back in April 26th of 2008. Anybody know anything in particular that happened on that day? It was just an ordinary day, okay? So there shouldn't be anything special. 
Other than there are two softball teams playing somewhere either in Oregon or Washington. Western Oregon University softball team was playing Central Washington, and this was a key game in their All right, so this, this was a key game for both teams. The winner of this game would then go on to the regional playoffs for the NCAA in their area, okay? And uh, the character in our story, I should the per- say the person's name is Sarah Tucholsky. I hope I didn't butcher that name. It was her senior year. She came into the softball program virtually as a no-name. She wasn't the best player, but still, she didn't get a scholarship or anything, but still, she came on and she was a valuable part of the team. So, at this point, it's the second inning of the game. Tied at 0-0. Sarah is up to bat. She's got one strike against her. The pitcher... Throws the next pitch, and it catches the outside corner of the plate, which would have been a strike, except with all her might, she crushed that ball and sent it sailing out over the left center field wall, her very first home run ever. Never before had she ever hit a home run, not in practice, not in any games. It was her very first. Now, think about what's going through her mind at this point. What would you be feeling? I get tingles just thinking about it because I once almost hit a home run. It hit the fence. It didn't actually go over. I was really excited. I made it all the way to third. So she crushed this ball, all right? At that point, there were already two other runners on base. So that means it is now three to nothing, right? Except... She was so excited. She ran and ran around first without touching the base. She realized her mistake halfway to second, then went to turn, but as she turned, she felt a sharp pain in her right knee, and bam, down she went. She tore a ligament. So now here she is trying to crawl back to first base, and the rules of the game at the time, her teammates could not help her. Otherwise, it would not count as a home run. It would have counted as a two-run single. So the two on base would have gotten home, but then she would have had a pinch runner, somebody else to run for her. So they were the umpires were deciding what to do. Her teammates were trying to figure out what to do. Then all of a sudden, first baseman, I don't remember who was playing what base, but two players... Mallory Holtman and Eliz Wallace asked if they could help. They were two, team, two of the opposing team players. They gently picked her up, walked her to first, well, carried her to first, had her gently touch first base, and they walked her all the way around the bases, touching every, every base as they went. So then her very first and last home run counted Let this mind be in you, as we're going to read about. This story says a lot about building kingdom culture, denying self. Because if I were on the defensive side, 
why would I want to help them score an extra run? I want to be in the playoffs. But they set all that aside and did a very noble thing. Let this mind be in you. To fulfill this kingdom culture, we need to put the needs of others before our own. Today we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. So go ahead and turn back a page or find that in your Bible and keep your finger there. We're going to be looking at chapter 2 verses 1 through 18 and we'll break it down as we go. A little background on this, uh, this, this book of the Bible. Anybody know who wrote this book? Paul. Paul wrote this as a letter while he was in prison. Probably had plenty of time to do, you know, writing. Philippi was a well-to-do city in what is now modern-day Greece, in the kind of the northeastern part of the country. And it was likely a key geographical point as it sat on this Ignatian Way, must have been a thoroughfare between Greece and Asia Minor. And from what I researched, Philippi was pretty well to do in the fact that it was rich in mining different commodities. I don't know what it was exactly, but there was a lot of mining that was going on there that uh, made it very profitable, profitable to the city. And uh, it was a wealthy colony, yep. This church supplied Paul, because he had visited there and ministered there, um, supplied Paul with both friendship and finances for his ministry, Interesting, interestingly enough. So as we come into chapter 2, this letter is a c- continuing the theme that was started in chapter 1 and expanding it um, and concentrating on humility and unity of Christian believers. And I'm going to read a little excerpt from the Bible, SDA Bible Commentary. In so doing, Paul bears his own soul, revealing the passionate intensity of his concern for the Philippians, the height and depth of his understanding of Christ's nature and sacrifice, the lofty standards he cherishes for his own spiritual children his generous opinions of faithful fellow laborers and his own complete submission in his interests in the gospel. At this point in time, he must have been hearing things from the church that the Philippian church had some dissension creeping in and its unity was in grave danger. Thus, he wrote the letter. So let's start off reading the first four verses again. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So the first two verses talk about unity, right? Um, This fellowship in the Spirit. 
or spiritual fellowship, as my Bible has in the notes there. You know, when we're thinking about this kingdom culture, I think heaven is going to be filled with a lot of like-minded people. What do you think? Yeah? There's going to be very little, I think, that's going to occupy our time and our thoughts other than spending time with Jesus, our Savior, and getting to know him better. Amen? So I'm suggesting that we can have the similar mindsets and start growing this kingdom culture here on earth. You know, spending our time and attention developing our relationship with Christ and then spreading his love to others. When we accept Christ, this is an interesting thing I read in the Bible commentary. When we accept Christ, we become members of his body. Now, to accomplish the greatest amount of good, the body or church must function as a unit. That was an interesting thought, right? So unity. Looking now into verses 3 and 4, this really kind of gives us some details about how we are to fulfill that, right? Uh, Here are some of the characteristics that people who have this kingdom culture will have. Nothing is going to be done through selfish ambition. In lowliness of mind, we're each going to esteem others better than ourselves. And we're not only going to look out for our own interests, but we're going to look out for the interests of others. All right. So those are some of the things that these believers, that Paul is trying to encourage our, our believers to exhibit those, those things. Let this mind be in you. So let's talk about nothing being done through selfish ambition. I'm going to ask that you turn to Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. But don't keep your finger in Philippians chapter 2, all right? Nothing, we're going to be talking about nothing being done through selfish ambition. I have a kind of a cute little story. Maybe some of you have uh, experienced this before. This is from a book called Crucial, Crucial Conversations. I, it's a good read if you uh, want to learn how to communicate better with people in tough situations. But anyway, the title on this says, Work on Me First and Us Second. So let's start with a true story. Two young sisters and their father scurry into their hotel room after spending a hot afternoon at Disneyland. That sounds like fun. Given the repressive heat, the girls have consumed enough soda pop to fill a small barrel. As the two bursting kids enter their room, they have but one thought. Anybody have an idea? Where's the bathroom? Exactly. Head, the head, uh, yeah. So since the bathroom was a one-holer, it isn't long until a fight breaks out. Both of the desperate children start arguing, pushing, and name-calling as they dance around to the tiny bathroom. Eventually, one calls out for the father. Dad, I got here first. I know, but I need it worse. You can just see him, you know. How do you know? You're not in my body. I didn't even go before we left this morning. You're so selfish. Dad proposes a plan. Girls? I'm not going to solve this for you. You can stay in the bathroom and figure out who goes first and who goes second. There's only one rule. No hitting. 
As the two antsy kids begin their crucial conversation, Dad checks his watch. He wonders how long it will take. As the minutes slowly tick away, he hears nothing more than an occasional outburst of sarcasm. Finally, after 25 long minutes, the toilet flushes. One girl comes out. A minute later, another flush, and out walks her sister. Interesting little picture there, isn't it? We all have a tendency to be selfish from time to time. Now let's look at our scripture we were going to talk about. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Then they said, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Oh, we're going to verse 45. And when he, the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. No, nothing of permanent good will be accomplished through work done in such a spirit as Paul has described here. Selfishness is going to get us nowhere. So let's look at the next item. Let each esteem others better. The story that really paints the picture for me is the Last Supper and the foot washing. I once heard a sermon when we were out in North Dakota. It really made things very clear and made things really stick with me. So back in the day, in Jesus' time, they wore what kind of shoes? Sandals, right? They didn't have a lot of covering over their feet. So did they have pavement and everything? No, they had dirt, right? Dirt roads, dirt walkways. So you can imagine what their feet looked like when they got to the Last Supper, okay? And uh, what was their other modes of transportation if they weren't walking? Donkeys, horse, all right? So there's a lot more dirt than just dirt, right, if you get what I'm saying. So your feet are dirty and they're stinky, Before they eat, what happens? Jesus took a towel, put it around his waist, and he washed 
all of his disciples' feet. So let me ask, how many pairs of dirty feet were left at the Last Supper? One pair. Jesus took all of their dirt and he takes all of our dirt on himself. He esteemed others better than himself. Now, look out not for your own interest, but for the interest of others. When I was uh, a kid, went to vacation Bible school, and one of the things we did was, in one class, we did some skits. And we uh, read a poem by Shel Silverstein. This kind of paints a nice picture of having your own interest in mind. This one is called Smart. My dad gave me one dollar bill, because I'm his smartest son. And I swapped it for two shiny quarters, because two is more than one. And then I took the quarters and traded them to Lou for three dimes. I guess he don't know that three is more than two. Just then along came old blind Bates, and just because he can't see... He gave me four nickels for my three dimes. And four is, guess what, more than three. And I took the nickels to Hiram Coombs down at the seed feed store. And the fool gave me five pennies for them. And five is more than four. And then I went and showed my dad. And he got red in the cheeks. And his eyes closed and shook his head. Too proud of me to speak. Looking out for your own interests sometimes gets us in this kid's situation, right? Oh dear, I lost my spot. There we are. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 16. Starting in verse, we'll look at 20 through 24, excuse me, through 26. Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 26. I like that poem, Smart. Okay, the title on this heading is Take Up the Cross and Follow Him. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let this mind be in you. You know, as we talk about not looking out for our own interests, the verse points out that we have a responsibility to, take, to not only take care of our own, uh, respo- or our own issues, but in addition, look out for the spiritual needs of others. Now, this doesn't give us permission to be busybodies, but to aid in the spiritual welfare of others. The way it was put in my research, it's like this. 
to your neighbor in the middle of the night, you see his house is on fire. You're not just going to let him be and let his house burn down and him inside, are you? You're going to go over, Bill, Bill, your house is on fire. You're not going to let him burn, right? That's kind of the similar concept as what he's trying to get across here. We're not looking out for our own spiritual interests, but trying to spread the word, right? Let this mind be in you. Looking back into Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at the next several verses. Starting in verse 5. Here Paul really points out Christ's method. The humbled and exalted Christ is the title. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven of, and those on the earth and those under the earth, and at the name and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind, this mind be in you. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In heaven, Christ was equal with God. It wasn't something that he had to earn or work for to get. He was equal with God, right? While conscious of his equality with God, he decided to forego the glory associated with that exalted state in order to accomplish his compassionate purpose of saving lost humanity. He went from ruler of all to the servant of all. He was completely human in a physical sense, yet he retained his divinity, a mystery that we'll likely study through the ages. Throughout Christ's life, he had to keep reminding people of his humbled nature and instill this kingdom culture. Let this mind be in you. His disciples, the Jews, they wanted him to overthrow the Roman government, right? And to crown him an earthly king. The disciples, as we already read, fought about who was going to be first. They were proud about the power they had been given through the Holy Spirit and wound up eating humble pie, as it were, when they couldn't cast out the demon, right? They argued. And when it came time for Christ to be crucified, what did they do? Did they stand by his side? They ran. They ran to save their own skin. You know, I wonder what we're like sometimes. What is he saying to your heart? Let's continue reading in verse 6, excuse me, 12 in Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, 
not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Get this? For it is God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the mindset of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in that day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Being light bearers. I love the part where in verse 13, it is God who works in us both to will or to want to do his good pleasure and then to do it. And it's interesting too, though, in verse 12, talks about working out your own salvation. And this is referring to the fact that Rick can't work out my salvation. I have to work out my own salvation and work on my relationship. You all can't do it for me. We can encourage each other, but we've got to do that for ourselves. Ultimately, we must put God first above everything else in all that we do. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Oh, no, I don't remember what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, I'm thankful that we don't have to do it all on our own. We learn from a very early age how to be selfish, don't we? It just comes naturally. But we can praise God that we don't have to do that work. Now, let this mind be in you. Christ shows us a better way to live, living in the days ahead. The next book of the Bible is Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, in the first three verses, say this. If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's my hope and prayer that we can build this kingdom culture starting now and that from the letter that was written to the Philippians, we can learn how to put the needs of others first and not do things selfishly or for selfish reasons. If any of you want to start working on this kingdom culture and put God first in all that you do, I invite you to stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the words that you've given us, for the letter that you inspired Paul to write Time is drawing near, 
And I pray that you would instill in us this kingdom culture and this idea of putting others first. Bless us now as we go our separate ways into our own homes, in our workplaces. I pray that you would shine your lights through us. It's this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song is going to be played on the guitar. And you can turn in your hymnals to 580. Having said that, we're going to add a few verses because there's only three. And I want to do a few more than that. So as we go, just listen for my cue as we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine everywhere I go. I'm going to let it shine everywhere I go. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. All through the night, I'm going to let it shine. All through the night. I'm going to let it shine all through the night. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Heavenly Father, we thank you again so much for the love that you have for us for the sacrifice you gave on Calvary through Jesus. I pray that you would light a fire in each of us. Let our lights shine through to the world and help us to grow this kingdom culture here in our church, here in our state, and throughout the world, Father. Be with us now as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen.